0: Welcome to the 1823 podcast. In this series, The Mental Edge, we will focus on the psychology behind elite performance at the Euros tournament. The podcast will be brought to you
1: by myself, Dr. Francesca Champ. And me, Dr. Gillian Cook, both lecturers in sport and performance psychology at Liverpool John Moores University.
0: Hey everyone, Um, so this is the first episode and just prior to getting into the first episode we'd like to spend a couple of minutes just discussing what the aim of the podcast is and how this really emerged. Um, So the podcast emerged through the Football Exchange Women's Network and that's a collaborative group for women who are working across the football industry in all different areas of the world and so as ambassador of the network I think this podcast the aim is to showcase our expertise of working in football and also to demonstrate our industry networks by bringing in a range of different guest speakers. Um, All of this will be focusing on performance psychology at the Euros with the aim of presenting some of the key factors, some of the key things that will influence individual and team performance.
1: Thanks for that introduction Fran. Really, the one of the main things to, to touch on at the start is how different this Euros is to any of the, the Euros that have really come before. Firstly, just in terms of, of format, you've got different teams travelling completely different distances and the influence that that will have on fatigue, on mood, on emotion, just of the different travelling. So England, for example, there's a chance that if they get through to the finals, they may have played six of seven matches at Wembley. Whereas Wales, for example, example, their first two matches are in Azerbaijan and their third is in Rome. So that's very different uh, circumstances that teams may be in and it's about the adaptability and how teams cope with that and how they ensure that they are performing at their best and getting better with each level of the tournament because you want your best performances to be you know, increasing as you go along. And the other thing that this uh, Euros brings about that's different to any other is the arrangements and different factors and unpredictability associated with COVID.
0: And I think it's really interesting point that you make there. And it was only really on the train this morning that I was doing a little bit of research around COVID and the Euros. And it came to the forefront what's happened with the Spanish team. Um, so Sergio Busquets, who's the Spain national captain, was actually um, tested positive for coronavirus earlier this week. And one of his other teammates has recently also tested positive, meaning that two players have had a positive test in the last seven days. What that means for those individuals is that they won't be able to compete in the first one, maybe two, group games of the group stages. But actually, as a collective, as a national country, and as a an o- sporting organisation, they've now taken the decision to stop group training. So you have players that are training in isolation in preparation for team performance. And I think that adds a really, really interesting dynamic that players will have to understand, adapt to, and be flexible to as we progress mm. through the tournament.
1: It's a really good point you you pick up there about the importance of adaptability. So as you were saying, with uh, different teams, it, it different stages different uh, players might need to isolate and routines if people have or if teams have set routines being thrown in the air so one of the things that that I've certainly found from my own research is that uh, top performing individuals teams Olympic gold medal winners one of the things that sets them apart you know from others is that ability to adapt there are no set routines because if you have a completely set routine within your mind everything must go in this this and this way if it suddenly doesn't that just enhances stress and for a lot of people when there's extreme pressure anyway and you're adding stress into the mix that's when performances may not be as optimal as we might want. So it's really important that we create a a culture and an environment that embraces that continual change and that the, the leadership creates conditions where adapting constant change, constant evolution is something that is just embraced within the team. And i
0: think a really nice point that you draw upon the culture there and i think culture is a buzzword in society culture is a term that we all use and that we all refer to and actually from a psychological perspective what does that mean what does that mean in a sporting context how do we understand it and i think um for me culture goes beyond all of the things that we see culture goes beyond what's measurable and actually culture refers to those values the behaviors how people interact with each other how people reflect from themselves how people monitor their own I guess how they conduct themselves. It's all of those different factors. And if we look at it from like an iceberg perspective, you might say what we see and what we view as the England team is the tip of the iceberg. So that's the media representations. That's the words from the likes of Gareth Southgate, or that's the words that come from the players themselves. It's the observable behaviors and the training ground and the pitch. Actually, what we don't see is that behind the scenes it's those close knit relationships. It's the corridor conversations. It's the interactions, the trust and the relationships relationships that are built and all of those things contribute
1: to whether it will be a successful or otherwise euros campaign. It's a really great uh, point that you bring up there about culture being the, the corridor of conversations, all the different things that people don't see. Because for me, the way that I, I think about culture is just really what it feels like around here nothing uh, more complicated than that and as you were saying it's it's those small behaviors behaviors are just the the actions that people can visibly see and one of the things that can cause one of the biggest uh, Bits of contention within teams is when people talk about values, things that they believe in. They they say that, well, we stand for this and we stand for this. However, when those behaviours don't match up with those values, that's when we can uh, sometimes find that, that you can get discontent and rifts within different teams. And it's really important that our behaviors mirror our values in good times, but also in bad times. It's really easy for us to to live up to our expectations and to to do all these great behaviors that we set up when we're winning, when we're doing well, when things are are, are really going in a way that, that we want. But what's more important is how we manage those setbacks our our behaviours and our values still doing, are we still trying to do what we were trying to do in other times when the pressure kicks in? Another sort of really important thing when it comes to looking at culture across a a team and a a national team is the the element that we're all in this together and we're all moving towards that same sense of shared purpose. What you can get in large teams is sometimes you can get different groups uh, peeling off and in what's created is is what's called a silo. So people are are moving in different directions. They've all got their particular purpose or, or vision aspirational statement and they'll work very hard towards that and you can get a disconnect whereas what we want is everyone to come together with that shared sense of identity and really pull and push in the same direction so that the the energy of the team is much greater than the energy of each individual
0: and i think where you pick up on identity there that's an absolutely critical word for me in the construction of um, a coherent culture and of a culture that facilitates optimal performance and I think we can understand identity in a range of different ways and from the research and from some of our research at LJMU what we see is that personal factors, social factors, cultural factors and political factors all contribute to creating a coherent sense of identity whether that's within an individual or whether that's across a team and then if we take it to the international stage I think there's a huge historical influence and this was most recently demonstrated in Gareth Southgate's letter to the fans which I thought was unbelievable by the way so how he addressed the fans and he talked about his identity why it meant so much to him to put on that England shirt to play for his team and why now in that leadership and managerial role it's really he has a sense of purpose he brings everybody together and he said his historical or his historical relevance is that his granddad fought in World War Two, And therefore, the fact that his granddad um, committed to the country, put his life on the line for the country, demonstrates for him why we should be doing this together. Why we should be so proud to represent our country. And I think... We have to consider that when we are developing a culture, when we're trying to create that optimal culture for performance, it's very different on an international stage than it is when players are playing for their clubs. Because ultimately what we're doing with an international group of footballers is we're pulling the best talent and picking the best talent from across not just England, but from across the world to get English players to come together to then unify with a single purpose. And that's in pursuit of victory or that's in pursuit of a positive Euros tournament. For me, that's that's super interesting, because when we look at just the Premier League, there's so many rivalries. For example, Man City have a rivalry with Man United. So you've got somebody like Phil Foden, who plays for Manchester City, and Marcus Rashford, who again is an attacking, striking player for Manchester United. They compete against each other week in, week out. Now they come together and they've got to attack together. They've got to break down the opposition together. They've got to break down defences in pursuit of either creating or scoring goals. So I think that's a really Interesting added dynamic, but also they're all coming from different cultures, they all exist within a club environment that will have its own philosophy, that will have its own values, that will have Mm. its own beliefs. And some of those individuals, or some of the people that are involved in the squad, for example, Ben White. He's moved from Brighton. Brighton are very much a team that's about survival in the Premier League. They play quite defensively and therefore what Ben White is used to is protecting his goal. It's not conceding goals. In contrast, you've got somebody like Raheem Sterling or Phil Foden that play for Man City at the opposite end of the table. So everything that they do is in pursuit of victory. So every time they receive the ball, actually they look to the 11 players around them, the 10 players around them to say, how can you positively contribute to an attack? As opposed to, how can you help me to prevent a goal? And I think those different aspects coming together make for a really interesting dynamic on how we can create a cohesive sense of identity and how we can create an optimal
1: performance culture. That's a really interesting point that that you say there about different people coming from different teams, different expectations within that team. what the defender may expect from the the attacker or or the midfielders, how much different people will will help out and what the the overall aim and and purpose of that team is. They've come from that, you've also got players will come into this tournament in completely different moods. You've got uh, some players will be coming from Chelsea, just won the the Champions League will be on a huge high, uh, probably one of the the highlights of their careers they've just achieved. Whereas you've got other players coming in from Manchester. City, as an example, coming into the the camp, have obviously just lost the the Champions League final. And so you've got different people with different mood levels coming in. So how is it that, that Gareth Southgate, the leadership team, bring all these different people together, to then create, you've, you've gone from being rivals to trying to beat each other, to now you've got to come together, play together, and really get to know each other. And that's a, a really big role for, and it's not an easy role, that, that Gareth Southgate has to, for example in England, has to be able to do. And particularly in, in Euros, uh, in any international competition, it's how you keep that that mood and that energy sustained throughout a very long tournament uh, or anyone will be potentially playing seven matches in 31 days. Uh, You're away from your family, you're away from your loved ones, you're relatively isolated in in what can be quite an intense environment. You've got the, the media scrutiny, the fan scrutiny, and there are highs and lows that players and staff will experience. And so it's really important that you don't experience any really big highs really big lows it's very important that the the manager is and and different people within the squad are able to ensure that the players and staff are balanced in their emotions because it's exhausting to be really high to be really low to be up again and that is one of the things that, that managers and, and leadership can do to help others thrive and to, and, you know, to create the conditions for others to perform optimally. It is about bringing people together, as they say, from those different clubs, creating that shared sense of vision, that shared sense of purpose, but also. At the most fundamental level, it's creating, it's building trust, it is building relationships, it is showing that, yes, I, I know what I'm talking about, but also I care about you as an individual, I believe in you as an individual, and also I know about you as an individual. If we think of environments that we've worked in, where you're, you're working for someone that, yes, they know what they're talking about, but they don't seem to care too much about you as an individual, you'll work quite hard, but not necessarily as hard as you could. Whereas if you're working for a coach or a manager that, yes, they know what they're talking about, but they also genuinely care about you and believe in you, your discretionary effort is so much higher. And that's where we get these great performances. And I think exactly what you draw upon there, it's like you've taken the words
0: from players themselves. And that's been really interesting that since Gareth Southgate came in, what we've started to see is in interviews, players talk about actually the culture has shifted and the culture has shifted so that we we don't get to know each other we truly get to know each other i get to know a player beyond the number that they wear on the shirt beyond the name beyond their media representation Actually, I get to know them for who they are. I get Mm -hmm. to know what makes them tick. I get to know their personal values, their beliefs, what and who are really important to them in their life. And only through sharing stories, developing those meaningful and deep-rooted relationships, actually then when it translates to the pitch, can I trust you? Can I back you? Of course I can, because I know who you are. I have a sense of trust. I have a deep relationship and a deep connection with you. And I will almost... Not in a hypothetical sense but i will put my life on the line for you in pursuit of performance in pursuit of victory because you are my mate you are my teammate i know you i understand you i believe in you and i care for you and i think that's exactly what you were saying but what we do we have to recognize because we've been so positive so far and we've kind of been like this is how you can do it and this is the culture that we want to create so it's hugely difficult to do something like that this is years in the making and a lot of research has shown that generally it takes three to five years to shift culture within an organization that's research that was done in the area of organizational and business psychology so if we're looking at the role of gareth southgate i think this stems far beyond the last few months actually this looks at what he's done in the last four and a half years But we do, again, we have to accept that sometimes, of course, with anybody, we all make mistakes and people's behaviours will actually fall out of line with that unified sense of identity, with that culture that's been created. And I think there has been... Unfortunately, a couple of high profile examples of that. And so Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez did have a little bit of a punch up during 2019 on an international (laughs) camp. And more recently, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood. So on the camp in Iceland, they invited some girls back to the hotel, which breached COVID. But I think it's about recognizing that that's part of being a human this player so as Jill's done some research it's one of the youngest squads in the tournaments we have to recognize that they're still growing young men they're still they're still learning what it means to be a professional footballer what it means to perform on the international stage and therefore i think it's about how we can help people to move forward when they do
1: make mistakes, how we can help people to learn. It's a really great point there about not just managing setbacks, but about moving forwards. Uh, There's certainly been, I was listening to an interview uh, a while ago from Rio Ferdinand, who was saying that when England were playing under Fabio Capello, there was this sense of fear, uh, fear of making mistakes, just fear and and just this huge intensity and this this culture of of not wanting to, to mess, up and that just adds even more pressure to an already, you know, cauldron of pressure. Whereas what Gareth Southgate seems to have brought in is a developmental culture. So really we, w- we make mistakes, you will always make mistakes on the pitch, off the pitch, but how do we use that as a learning opportunity to move forward, uh, you know, creating an environment of continual improvement, debriefing, what went well, what didn't go well, what can we really build on, create a super strength, and really moving forward from that. And you can see that with the, the way that the, the England team has been playing it at, at points, that the players just feel able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. There isn't that fear. They're not playing within themselves. They're looking for that pass, that that low percentage shot, and they're going for it. And that's where we can get these really exciting passages of play that that we really want to see. So that's certainly one thing that that Gar Southgate has really brought into with that that focus on developmental culture and and learning from mistakes to try and help other people to create those conditions for others to thrive. One of the other things that uh, certainly from a leadership position that you want to, to bring in is not only managing others' emotions, which are a huge thing when it, at any, um, within any sport. Sport is a very emotional thing. We can sense that ourselves as fans, but also players, uh, managers, huge levels of emotion and how can you understand you know, 20, 26 players within your squad, understand that each individual is different. What makes this person tick will be different from what makes this person. What takes the pressure off them? What do you need to say to them to make them more confident? What do you need, it will be very different from what you need to say to this person over here. So it's almost about having 20 different keys for 20 different individuals. And, and some people are, are very good at that and drawing out the, the, the strength of the squad, and other people are, other managers we've seen, are, are less good at that. And it's also then bringing in what, as a manager yourself, There's huge pressure. It's a cauldron. You you can just, uh, the expectation of a nation is is on you. How do you manage your own emotions? Because if we all mimic each other's emotions or something, again, it's it's discussed quite a bit uh, in, you see it in newspapers and people talk about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, by that I just mean people's responses and interpretations of their own and others' emotions. And what we've seen from research is that top, top managers and coaches are able to manage their own emotions their own emotional expressions take the pressure off and also manage players emotions and that's some of the things that, that you can see when you're you're looking at the side of a, the the pitch and the the dugout some managers are you know jumping up and down hopping up and down if you're a player looking over you're thinking mm. "Oh, they look a bit anxious should I then be anxious and they're then not focusing on performance because they're too focused on what the manager's doing over there whereas if you look over the manager looks cool they look composed they look calm they look in control you then get a sense of that yourself so there's so much uh, emotion and just that mimicry that we can see in, in top performance I think that's a really interesting point and what I guess what you triggered in me when you were
0: talking there is a little bit around how Gareth Southgate helps players and particularly his captain to manage that emotion and manage some of the stresses in the tournament. And what um, he spoke about recently in an interview is that he's developed a leadership group within the 11 players. So although we've got Harry Kane as captain, he doesn't want Harry Kane to feel, I am the leader and I am responsible for looking after or for managing my teammates so they developed a leadership group and actually that's recently translated to media appearances in that Harry Kane isn't the only representative that's put in the in front of the camera irrespective of whether they win they lose they draw it's a really good or really poor performance Gareth Southgate has said we share leadership we share who represents the club that takes the pressure off you that absorbs some of the pressure from you what you're exactly saying and he said okay maybe for me as manager I take some of it but actually teammates you also have a role and teammates, you can also have that leadership role, you can also support me in my and how I delegate tasks and how I manage tasks and you can support your captain and that might be something as simple as we have a leadership group they all have a voice they all take certain tasks they take certain responsibilities and that was
1: represented through the media quite recently but again a really great point there about bringing in different aspects of the the team to create that really the the environment you want to be creating is that positivity because with more particularly if, if what a leader can do because again we all mimic each other's emotions no matter what they're feeling inside if they are able to mask that and through a process called emotional labor which is just where it comes from the airline industry service with a smile uh, people are acting in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect how they're Mm -hmm. feeling so with uh, within um, not just the players but, but the manager as well so many different emotions going on but they've got to be able to manage themselves manage how they're portraying themselves are they emitting positivity are they emitting confidence are they giving belief to the players that then they're able to elevate their performances to get better and certainly with we've seen from research that with higher levels, levels of positivity creates higher levels of energy but also if your levels of positivity are higher your perception of psychological and physiological pain is actually lower Mm -hmm. so you can push yourself harder to get that higher discretionary effort which hopefully will lead to some great performances at the the Euros which I'm really excited about. Awesome
0: I think I think we've waffled on for long enough there Um so I think Just to provide you with a little bit of a recap and a little bit of a summary, so we first um, introduced the setting of the Euros this year. There's absolutely no getting away from the fact this is going to be very different to any footballing tournament on the international stage that's taken place previously. It's so unpredictable that we sit here right now and we don't know what we might be discussing next week because we can't predict what's going to happen. We then moved a little bit onto culture and how we believe that to create that optimal international culture, you need a greater sense of purpose, you need a shared identity, you need a source of meaning. And that embeds itself in really meaningful trusting relationships where individuals will sacrifice themselves in pursuit of the greater good for the team. And we move towards leadership where Jill shared some really nice insights and ideas around emotional intelligence, around emotional labor and how the role of the manager is to be adaptable, to be responsive, to work with players and almost take that pressure off players in the way that they portray and present themselves as being relatively calm, composed, together despite the fact the heart rate might be 210 beats per minute and their blood <laughs> pressure is off the off the charts i think they it's how they present themselves and how they conduct themselves and so hopefully you've really enjoyed it um and thank you for listening
1: brilliant and although you said there that you're not able to predict what will happen i can predict that our next podcast will be about the rivalry between or that the match between scotland and england the world's oldest rivalry thank Absolutely. you for listening
0: thank you